are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Another good Thursday show for you. We're going to talk about two television shows revolving around sports. Well, one is a documentary. It's on Netflix called Johnny Football. It's part of their Untold series. We're also going to talk about Hard Knocks, the annual HBO series that follows one NFL team during training camp. This year, it's the New York Jets. First episode dropped on Tuesday. We're going to talk a little baseball. There was a no-hitter last night. And we're also going to talk about the fact that there's a major injury in the NFL that looks like it's going to last longer than I think people originally thought. We'll talk about all that momentarily. So let's start with the Netflix documentary. It's from their Untold series where they cover sports documentaries. And it dropped on Tuesday, and it's called Johnny Football. And it's about Johnny Manziel and everything that encompassed Johnny Football when he was at A&M going into the pros and getting drafted by the Cleveland Browns. I could do probably 30 minutes on this documentary alone, but there are some things that stuck out that I think a lot of people are mostly talking about. The first thing being is we're, what, uh, eight, nine years removed from this? Around that? Maybe 10. If you weren't watching college football at the time, it might sound like hyperbole right now, but this was right in my wheelhouse. And I probably watched more AM games that season, in the two seasons that Johnny Manziel was the quarterback, than I did and have the rest of my life before then and after then combined. I honestly think it's not hyperbole to say he was one of the five best college quarterbacks ever. College quarterbacks ever. In terms of production, in terms of excitement, did they win a national championship? No. But for his stature, what he did, got to remember, when he went to AM, that was the first year in the SEC. Everyone thought they were going to get trounced by SEC schools. And in his first year, he wins in Alabama. We all remember that game where they jumped out to a 20 to nothing lead at Bama. But there's so much more to the story than football. I mean, I wouldn't even think this this documentary really isn't about football. It's about fame and fortune and how the pressures of football got to somebody, but some of these stories were outlandish. I remember hearing them back in the day, but you just didn't know what was true and what wasn't, and the partying, the drugs, the women, the money, I mean, it's all, you're just looking at it like, oh my God, how can that guy piss everything away? He had such a great future ahead of him. I'll tell you what, when you really look at it, what Johnny Manziel did the two years that he was at a and I don't necessarily fault him for it. I'm not talking about the way he acted. I'm just talking about what he did, which was he saw what was going on around him. 
He saw that college football was making a shit ton of money off of his number two A&M jersey. The school was raking in more money than they ever had from boosters. And you know how much he saw of it? Zero dollars. Nada. Nothing. So when somebody did approach him and said, hey, the point in the documentary, like, hey, he was in Miami or something like that in Florida somewhere. And someone came up to him and said, hey, let's go into this room. I'll give you $3,000 right now to sign this stuff. And then it turned into, hey, you're getting ripped off. You should be making more than this. I've got another room full of shit. Sign it. I'll give you the code to the safe in the room. And there's $30,000 cash. Now, he wasn't responsible by any means. He was completely out of control. I'm just talking about the money situation. He saw what was happening and said, screw this. I'm going to make as much money as I can. I don't care about the NCAA. And I can't say I fault him for it. Would you? I mean, put yourself in his situation. You're a college kid. You just won the Heisman as a freshman at A&M. Everybody wants a piece of you, and you can't make any money doing anything. You can't get a job. You're not making anything anywhere. You get your room and board paid for and your meals. You don't get extra money when you're on scholarship. You get like a per diem for food. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. There's no 18 or 19-year-old in the world who didn't come from money. Although that was a great story, how his handler basically made up the fact that his family came from money. That's how they justified him going on all these trips, hanging out with all these celebrities, sitting courtside at a Laker game or, you know, any game, going to the Super Bowl, front row, like all that stuff. That's how they justified it. They just said, oh, yeah, his family comes from money in the oil business. (laughs) Nobody bothered to do any (laughs) fact-checking because they never did. So, but you you put any 18 or 19 year old in that position and somebody comes to them and says, here, we've got a bunch of memorabilia, sign some footballs, sign some jerseys, sign some eight by 11 glossy photos. And then when you're done at the end of that, go into the safe. Here's the code. And there's some cash for you. (laughs) There isn't a single college player, college student who'd turn that down. Now, a college player, you're supposed to turn it down because you're not allowed to make any money in college. This was back, you know, 2013, 2014. You weren't allowed to. Now, this would be allowed. But he was kind of the pioneer and said, screw this. Now, he was making so much money, and I think it's laughable that when the NCAA did investigate him, they found out that he took $7,500 and was suspended for the first half of the first game of the year against Rice. In his sophomore year, second year. I mean, come on. The NCAA is either dumb or stupid or both. Or they didn't want to bust arguably the most marketable player in football that year. But outside of that, his life was a mess. He just got caught up in it. It's almost like, look, some kids will and some kids won't. And he did. I think my only criticism of the documentary was how quickly it ended. I feel like I don't know where he's at in his life right now. Is he clean? Like they said, he's, you know, he's spoken and come back and done stuff, but 
They showed him in Scottsdale, Arizona, partying with his boys, playing darts and chugging beers. Anybody who's recovering, anybody who's been in AA before and been in rehab, you're not allowed to come out and, you know, drink beers. Oh, I'm managing it. No, no, no. They don't want you drinking anything. So it just all of a sudden kind of ended. I mean, he was talking to his dad and they were, you know, hitting some golf balls. It's like, okay. But I feel like they glossed over the fact that maybe, I don't know, he's not doing great right now. Like, what's his financial situation? What's he doing? How much money does he have? Is he sober? The whole thing was kind of bizarre how quickly it ended. Like, it kind of eased into it, and then it just, (laughs) the credits started rolling. I'm like, wait a second. Can we find out a little bit more about what's happening in his life now? Because the whole thing was about high school stud, goes to college, takes the college football world by storm, wins the wins the Heisman Trophy as a freshman, never been done in college football history before, hasn't been done since, and then all of a sudden he goes and just goes off the rails. Guy never studied, never looked at film. The Cleveland Browns said he looked at 0.0 minutes of game tape. In two years, he was out of the league, and then he was off doing his benders and coke and drugs and all that stuff i was like wow i mean i knew it went bad for him but i didn't know it was that bad and then he you know it said he wanted to take his life and to this day he doesn't know why the gun didn't work when he tried to pull the trigger i mean you don't want to you certainly want the guy to recover and you want to you know root for him and hope things are better for him but i just i i felt like we should have gotten a more of an update on where his life is at right now i didn't feel like i got that at all We saw him in present day, but he's been such a liar and such a schemer his whole life. What if he's just saying shit for the camera to make you think things are great? I mean, it's not like he even said things are great in his life right now. He just didn't say anything. He just was talking about his past life. I wish we would have gotten a, hey, Johnny, what's going on now? What are you doing? How do you make money? Do you you have an income? I don't know. I I I didn't get any of that. So... I just kind of wish we would have gotten that. And I because I have no idea where he's at in his life right now. I thought, did, did he get married? I didn't remember that. I know he had that whole issue with his ex, but really good documentary. It's the only problem I had with it. It just ended all of a sudden. It was about an hour and 15 minutes, and it just kind of ended. So I would check it out. It's on Netflix called Untold. They do a lot of, they do like the Untold series once it's released. It's usually released in August of every year, and they usually do four different documentaries. I believe the fourth one this year is the one I've kind of talked about the last couple days, and that's going to be on the Florida Gators football team back in the early 2000s when they were dominating. But it's going to be a four-part series, so they got a shit ton to cover because that that was the, you know, the Urban Meyer years, the Tim Tebow years. Aaron Hernandez was on that team who ended up being a double murderer. Um, They had a lot, a lot of players on that team that apparently uh, it was the in the inmates were running the asylum back in Florida Gator football. And we're going to find out probably a lot more than we already than we thought we knew when that comes out. But I believe that comes out end of August and it's a four parter. This one was only an hour and 15 minutes, but really good. Check it out. Johnny football untold. The other thing that dropped this week was Hard Knocks. 
the annual show from HBO where they follow an NFL team in training camp, and this year they chose the New York Jets. We had talked about this for a couple months in that usually they announce who's the hard knock team is going to be back in like May. And they didn't choose the Hard Knocks team back in May because apparently nobody wanted to do it. And there's a parameters and you can not be um, up for Hard Knocks if you had all these things happen to you. If you have a first year coach, you would never be have you would never have to do Hard Knocks. But there were like only four teams that qualified. It was like the Jets, the Browns, the Commanders and somebody else. And nobody wanted to do it. So they just, the NFL said, you know, this is our annual show. We've done it for, I think, almost 20 years now. This is our annual show. We are just, we're just going to sign. It's going to be you, Jets, which makes sense. I mean, they have the biggest free agent acquisition uh, of the offseason in in Aaron Rodgers. So it started on Tuesday night. And, you know, Hard Knocks is pretty standard in what they do every season. It's pretty pretty straightforward. They, They don't really... It's not different every year. The team every year is different. They've had some repeat teams. But the team every year is uh, the, the different team every year. But what they do is pretty much the same. First episode is always introducing you to who the coach is and who the top players are. This year, we're going to get more about Robert Sala, who is in the, I believe, second year head coach of the Jets. Might be third. I think not second year. And then we've got... Um. You know, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, Garrett Wilson, the offensive rookie of the year last year, Sauce Gardner, defensive rookie of the year last year. I mean, they've got some good young players. They finished the season seven and ten. They are one of the teams that a lot of people think will make the playoffs this year. Although they do play in a not easy division and their non conference games aren't very easy either. So we'll see how that goes for them. But Pretty standard first episode, a lot of Aaron Rodgers in the first episode, a lot. I mean, he was all over. It was almost like the Aaron Rodgers episode. But the thing I found interesting was Aaron Rodgers got a bad rap in Green Bay, and the reputation was that he didn't give a shit about trying to mentor the quarterbacks underneath him, especially um, Jordan Love, who the Packers drafted. Apparently, Rodgers was just very aloof to him and didn't – because that's exactly what Brett Favre did to Rodgers when the Packers drafted Rodgers towards the end of Brett Favre's career. So Rodgers felt like, well, I don't need to mentor this guy. I'm the quarterback. And <clears throat> it was just interesting watching Hard Knocks on Tuesday night because it looks like he's the greatest teammate in the world, you know, talking to Zach Wilson, talking to the back of quarterbacks, holding huddles, leading huddles, uh, you know, sitting on the bench with them, wearing – you know, for preseason football, those guys don't even want to be there, let alone want to be involved. And, you know, even though he didn't suit up like most players don't in the preseason, he had a headphone on and he was talking to the quarterbacks and talking to other players and cheering guys on. Like it made him seem like a better teammate than we have been led to believe he is in the past. So I don't know if it's being done for television purposes because Aaron Rodgers is very immediate. He's very media savvy. And I don't know if this is just an act. Or were the reports out of Green Bay just over-exaggerated? But whatever the case, I thought he came across really well in the first episode. Sauce Gardner will be entertaining this for um, for Hard Knocks, for sure. And who was the other one? Um, Robert Sala is, 
you know, I, I wouldn't say he's a fiery coach, but I think we'll get to know more about him. I thought I'm glad they touched on because it's something we talked about in the Sports Daily. I'm glad they touched on the Nathaniel Hackett, Sean Payton feud, even though Hackett was just a lone bystander in that. Sean Payton was the one that threw a blowtorch at him and said his coaching job last year in Denver was one of the worst in the history of the NFL. And look, to be fair, it was. He was terrible. He didn't even finish his first season. If you get fired in your first head coaching job and you get fired before their first season is over, you did a horrible job. So let's not mince it any in any way. He did a horrible job. He was terrible. 4-11 before they fired him. They fired him with two games. I mean, they didn't even let him finish the last two games of the season. They're just like, God, it's this bad. You need to go. So he was terrible. I know Aaron Rodgers is going to defend him because Aaron Rodgers had him in Green Bay. I get that. They have a friendship. Of course, he's going to stick up for him. So what Sean Payton said wasn't wrong. It's just you rarely hear that coming from coaches. You don't hear coaches talking shit on other coaches. And Sean Payton did, said this was one of the worst head coaching jobs ever, like talking about taking over Denver this year. So uh, the rest of the episode, pretty standard stuff. There's always some funny scenes, always some good outtakes. A lot of Leif Schreiber, who's the narrator. We've never seen him in one of the episodes. We've known he's been the narrator of Hard Knocks, I think, for all since it became an HBO show. This is the first episode I think we've ever seen him in, you know, hanging out uh, in New York with the football team. So, um Really cool stuff. It's always a fun show. It's five episodes long. It'll go for the next, uh, you know, four more weeks. Uh, the the Tuesday before the season starts is the last episode, which would be the day after um, uh, the day after Labor Day, which is what day is that? Uh, September. That'll be September fifth. So uh, it premiered on the eighth. So we got episodes on the fifteenth, twenty second, twenty ninth, and fifth. Once the season starts, it's. Um, they don't show any uh, episodes. Got to say, uh, a couple baseball notes here. But a no-hitter in baseball last night. Michael Lorenzen, who got traded to the Phillies at the trading deadline. This is only his second start for the Phillies, and he throws a no-hitter against the Washington Nationals. So I'd say he's probably a fan favorite now there. Um, the Phillies are playing better. They're, if I'm not mistaken, uh, let me – Double check here. I, I standings wise, I haven't really. I guess I haven't really been looking at the NL East only because I know that the NL East is loaded. I mean, after after the Braves, I know the Braves obviously are, are dominating. They're way ahead of everybody, but the Phillies are in second place. And if the playoffs started today, the Philadelphia Phillies w are the leading team in the wild card, so they would be the four seed, and um, and they would play the five, which would be the Giants right now. And then the Cubs would play the uh, leader in the NL Central, which is, who is that? The Brewers. So Cubs would play Brewers in the first round. And the Phillies would play, who I just said. I'm already, <laughs> I'm already blanking. Um, Giants? No. What did I just say? Oh, Phillies would play. Oh, yeah, play, play the Giants. That would be your 4-5 matchup because, you know, in baseball, the top two seeds get buys in the first round. And it's a three-game series, and the home team gets all three games. That's the new format in baseball that started last year. So Michael Lorenzen, no-hitter for the Phillies. And i got to end with this. I'm kind of disappointed in the, in the Texas Rangers. 
only for this reason. Yes, they had won eight in a row up until yesterday. But, and look, it, I, I guarantee probably by the end of tonight, uh, the A's are going to lose again and they're going to be back to where they were. But going into yesterday's game, the Oakland A's, they've been the worst team in baseball for pretty much most of the year. The Royals overtook them for a, for a little bit, but the A's back in the driver's seat as being the worst team in baseball. Going into yesterday's game against the Rangers, they were 50 games under 500. 50, 5 0. They've also been outscored by 276 runs. I mean, this is just an awful franchise, an awful organization. I couldn't name two players on that team. They suck. That's why they're moving to Las Vegas. The Royals are 42 games under 500, so they've only got four more wins than the A's. But the A's beat the Rangers yesterday 2 0. And now they're back to 49 games under 500. I don't like that. I want it to be 50 or more. And trust me, it's going to be. They're probably going to lose tonight to go to 50. And, you know, this team is not going to play 500 ball for the rest of the year. So clearly they're going to be more than 50 games under 500. They're probably going to be close to 60 at the end of the season, which would mean what? Uh, if you go 60, uh, no, if you go uh, 50, 40 and 120. Um, yeah, I mean, look, they've, they're 33 and 82. That's 115 games, so that means they have 47 left. If they go seven and 40, <laughs> they'll be 40 and 112. <laughs> uh, they'll probably win more than seven out of their last 47. But hey, you never know. They are an awful, awful baseball team. They've been outscored by 276 runs. The second, the team who's been outscored second by second most runs is the Royals at minus 161. So they're clear 110 runs more than the Royals that they've been outscored by. Colorado Rockies, actually, Colorado Rockies are second. They're minus 166. I didn't realize that, how bad the Rockies were, but they're bad every year. Anyway, that's what's going on in baseball. We'll get to uh, uh, more stuff uh, tomorrow. So thank you all for listening. Please follow in Apple Podcasts. Also, Rate and review if you can. Um, that certainly helps the podcast as well. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know about it. So thank you all for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.